chapter 138. Psalm chapter 138. <clears throat> if you're using the, the Bibles there in the chairs, it's page 389. Psalm chapter 138. <clears throat> Most of you know that recently I was with my grandkids. And uh, grandkids are a wonderful thing most of the time. <clears throat> I, one day I was I was sitting at the dinner table or lunch day, I don't know we I don't it was a meal and there there were some grapes on the table and I'm I'm reaching in just eating handfuls of grapes I love grapes I I just eat them by the handful and the the two oldest grandkids uh, two uh, four and two um saw me eating grapes and they started I want some you know how it is you know I want some I want some I want some and you know you go through the 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 routine well what do you say and the four-year-old said please 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 and the two-year-old says peace 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 and and you know what does a what does a grandpa do gives them grapes you know what I'm saying I even took it out of my no, I didn't. Um, <laughs> no, I, I reached over and I, and I gave them some grapes and 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 before I would let them have them, what did I say? Now what do you say? And the four-year-old said, "Thank you." And the four, and the two-year-old said, "Peace." <laughs> now, question. Did they mean it? Probably not. Because why did they say, or, or at least the two-year-old attempt to say thank you? Well, no, it's because they knew that if they didn't say thank you, they would get in trouble by their mom and dad, and they would not get any more grapes. So did they mean it? No. They didn't mean thank you. That was the most hollow thank you I've ever heard in my life. It was it was it was like Anyway, it started me thinking about thankfulness. And how oftentimes God does something and we go, "Thank you." Or peace. And the reality is it's an empty, shallow reaction. Because if we don't say thank you, we've all been programmed, have we not? If we don't say thank you, then we get no more grapes. So God does something in our lives, and what do we do? Oh, thank you, and we move on. And it started me thinking, and I I, I realized, well, I didn't realize, but it just caused me to re- evaluate what thankfulness is and thankfulness is not a word it's an attitude see my my grandchildren i love them to death and i will keep giving them grapes in fact i even gave them some cookies (laughs) my favorite cookies too uh, my, let me rephrase that. My favorite store-bought cookies. 
My wife's homemade are my favorite, but yes, I I saved myself. What is the hope of a a parent and a grandparent in, in that exercise? The hope is to train into them a grateful heart. Is that not the hope? I read a story recently that I, I had never read before, and those of you that know me know I, I, I love history. And there's, I, 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 there are a few people in our church that have, through the years, told me, I hate history. Well, plug your ears or whatever, I don't care. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a story that I read recently that I, I, had, never, I had never read before. <clears throat> It is gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier in the eastern coast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return walking slowly, slightly stooped with a bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them with his bucket. Many years before, in October of 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. Y'all remember who Rickenbacker is? He was a World War I ace. <clears throat> Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But <clears throat> there was uh, an unexpected detour which hurled uh, Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress became lost uh, beyond uh, the reach of radio, fuel running dangerously low, so the men ditched the plane in the ocean. Nearly a month, <clears throat> uh, for nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would f- fight the water and the weather and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their raft. The largest raft, the, the largest raft was nine. <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, was nine by five. The biggest shark was at least ten feet long. <coughs> but of all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable starvation eight days out their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water it would take a miracle to sustain them the miracle occurred in captain eddie's own words cherry that was the b-17 bomber captain cherry uh captain william cherry read the service that afternoon And we finished with a prayer of deliverance and a hymn of praise. Get this. They worshiped and they praised. And then they prayed. There was some talk, but it tapered off into a... uh, uh, It tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep the glare down, I dozed off. Something landed on my head, and I knew it was a seagull. 
I didn't know how I knew, I just knew. Everyone else knew too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim, without moving my head, I could see the expressions on their faces. They were starting, uh, excuse me, they were staring at the goal. The goal meant food, if I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the goal. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because of a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. It's well known that Captain Eddie made it. And now we, uh, now you know also that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening about sunset, on a lonely stretch on the eastern coast of Florida, you could see an old man walking, white-haired, bushy eyebrows, slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp, was to feed the gulls. To remember that one which on that day, long past, gave itself without a struggle, like manna in the wilderness. See, Eddie Rickenbacker and his crew chose to worship God. And that's that that is so important. See, they chose to worship God when there was no hope. Where they were hundreds of miles, if you know anything about seagulls, they don't I mean they fly out to sea, but they don't go that far. But because they chose to worship and thank God, God provided. The title of my message is The Choice of Thanksgiving. The Choice of Thanksgiving. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we truly are thankful and grateful for all that you have done. And Lord, as we are here in this month of November, the, 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 the month of Thanksgiving for our country, I ask, dear God, that you would help us to be thankful Christians. Help us, dear God, to understand the importance of putting you first in our lives. And Lord, help us to never forget all that you've done for us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As I read the 138th Psalm, I want you to follow along and I want you to pay attention particularly to the choices that David makes to be thankful. Uh, Thankfulness, again, is not a word. It is an attitude of the heart. And as David is writing this Psalm, just try try and pick out how many times David chooses to be thankful. He starts off the, the very first couple words as, I will praise thee with my whole heart. 
Before the gods will I sing praises unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answered me and strengtheneth me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, but the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and they and thy uh, right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which uh, concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine hand, thine own hand. Dear Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Help us to walk with you. Amen. To be perfectly honest, as I have contemplated this idea of thanksgiving, I don't want to be the kind of believer that just says, thank you to God. I want to be the kind of believer that chooses to be thankful. Now, I don't know. Obviously, I have no control over what happened with Eddie Rickenbacker and his crew. But I wonder if that seagull would have landed on his head had they not first thanked God and give praise to him. I don't know. I don't know that we will know this side of heaven. In fact, I'm sure we won't know this side of heaven. But I can't help but wonder. And, I, and, I, and I, I, it caused me to think about myself. And I don't want to be the kind of believer that just takes God for granted and keeps him in a little bottle and, and I pull him out when I need him and you know, you know, rub, the, rub the little genie bottle and say, okay, God bless me now. That's not the kind of believer I want to be. I want, I want to be the kind of believer that chooses to worship, chooses to praise, chooses to be thankful. Point number one this morning <clears throat> we're going to look at is thankful that he hears and answers prayer. Regardless of the result of prayer, God hears our prayers everyone that we pray. And just because he doesn't answer it the way we want does not mean he does not hear. In verse 1, it says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. The, the, the idea here is that, that David says, you know, when I, I am going to praise you with my entire heart. I, am, I will hold nothing back. Israel at the time was surrounded by pagan nations 
And you have to understand that every one of these, these nations, as it is today, want, wanted to destroy Israel. It, it, it's no different today. The, the same situation that it, it took, is taking place today <clears throat> it took, was taking place then. And David was surrounded by enemies. <clears throat> have you ever felt like you are absolutely surrounded by enemies? We all have. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> but David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. No matter what's going on around me, I will praise you with my whole heart. In verse, <clears throat> verse 2, David identifies two attributes of God. And this is really key to the whole, to the whole psalm. If you, if, you, if you understand what David is saying here in verse 2, it, it really sets the tone for the whole, for the whole psalm. <clears throat> and, well, let, let's go back and read verse 1. It says, I will praise thee with thy whole heart. Before the gods uh, will I sing praises. In other words, no matter what these nations around me are doing, no matter what is going on, no matter what the circumstances are, I will praise you. And then he says in verse 2, uh, I will worship uh, toward thy holy temple and praise thy name uh, for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. David identifies two attributes of God. The first one is his loving kindness. And <clears throat> we look at that word and we, we think, wow, that's, that's cool because God loves us, does he not? But if you, if you really understand what this word means, it, it, it carries with it a sense of loyalty in, in, the, in the context that he is a God that is of loving kindness, but he's loyal in his love toward us because of the promises that he has made to us. You know, uh, let, let, me, let me see if I can make, make sense of this for you. In Genesis chapter 12, God promised the nation of Israel something. And what David is referring to here in chapter 2, excuse me, verse 2 of chapter 138 of the book of Psalms is he's referring back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And he says, your loyalty, I <clears throat> will make of thee a great nation and will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. So the promise, what David's doing here when he says that, that you're a, a God that is a loving kindness, what he's saying in essence is the promise you made in Genesis you are a loyal, loving God that will keep that promise. And he's still keeping that promise today, by the way. David knew that, the, that God would always be loyal and loving to the nation of Israel. What about us today? God has made a promise to us in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, the second half of the verse says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That promise is still true in our lives today. Now, does that mean that we will not go through hard times? 
No, that, that is not what that means. Does that mean that, that life is going to be nothing but a, a bowl of cherries from here on out? No, that is not what it means. What that means is that when we go through hard times, he will be with us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That is the loyalty that we need to be thankful for because we have a God that is loyal to the promises that he's made to us. The second attribute that he points out is the, the, the word truth. Truth here carries the, the idea of firm resolve. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, forever. What was David saying here? And again, the, the verse 2 sets the tone for the entire psalm, and particularly these two words. And David is saying, in essence, you are a loyal keeper of the promises of the past. You're a loving, kind God that will always keep your promises. And then he uses the word truth, which means firm resolve. And David says, no matter what's going on around me, I know that you're there for me with, with firm, firm resolve. You know, the reality is, and please get this, the same God that David served when he wrote Psalm 138 is the same God that we serve today. And the same promises that were available to David are available to you and I today. In verse 3, we see the answer. Verse 3 says, In the day when I cried, thou answereth, answereth me, and strengtheneth me with strength in my soul. I, I want to pick out a couple of things here because, <clears throat> again, it's important that we see these things. Uh, I don't know if you mark your Bible, but I circled the word the in the day. You know, David didn't say in a day when I might need you or in some day you'll come through for me. He said in the day when I needed you, you were there. See, it is God who sets the timetable, not us. God knows when we need Him. And oftentimes, if you're anything like me, we set our timetable and expect God to play by our rules. But David understood that in the day, his God would be there for him when he needed Him that day. Then he goes on to <clears throat> say that he strengtheneth me with the strength of my soul. Strength here is, is making direct reference to the strength of a warrior, somebody who was preparing to go to battle, somebody who 
was physically, emotionally, and spiritually strong, getting ready to go to battle. And he says, in that day, you will enable me to have a strength of a warrior. In other words, strength beyond his own ability. It is those days that God shows himself strong in our lives. See, we live in a we live in a world today that wants to shortcut everything. Do we not? I mean, we want we want my son my son was telling me the other day he said he said I, 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 I don't even remember what brought it up but he said dad have you seen the new smart credit cards and I said a what and he said yeah they're they're they look like a regular credit card he said they're 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 about the same thickness but he said you can store every credit card you own on it I'm like I, yeah that ain't happening. <laughs> My my wife my wife was uh, last week was at a ladies conference thing, and she was talking to <clears throat> to me over the phone and and uh, she uh, she forgot something I forget what, anyway she forgot something and and I said well see if see if you can't get one of the people there to run you up to Walmart and, and pick it up and she says she says Rick she said this is crazy. She was down in Phoenix. And she said, she said, this morning, one of the ladies that was, you know, in the conference as well, <clears throat> forgot something also. And she got on Amazon, ordered it, and within two hours, it was there. I'm like, dude, you're kidding me. She said, no. She said, and and I asked her again when she got home, and she said, "Yeah, the whole the whole three or four days that she was there, uh, the they were constantly, you know, women. Oh yeah, I need this, and they get on and boom, 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 and it was two hours later, it was there. I'm like, man, I need to move to Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> but but, and then she was she was telling me. Um, that she was talking to her roommate or some, I, I don't know who it was, but she says that they, they, there's a service now. I, I don't know where, I don't know, maybe it's just big cities, I don't know. But you get on and, and you, can, you can actually hire people to go to Costco for you. Or, or, to, or to, I don't know, Harbor Freight or you know, whatever, any store, any store you want. You you hire that yeah they, she said it's some weird app you know there's something wrong with that okay and and I, I say that I, not that not it's not wrong in the sense that you know hey if you want to do that fine that's fine I still like to go to the store and put my hands on it you know what I'm saying <clears throat> but my my point is this we start to treat God like that. And we, and we go to God and we say, God, this is what I want and I want it now. doesn't work that way. And we get impatient when God doesn't answer our prayer. And we, and, and we forget to realize 
that it is in the day that God will strengthen us. It is in the day when God will come through. Not when we want, but when we need. John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye uh, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can't... Let, let's read all this together. You can what? Do nothing. You can do nothing. And what David is acknowledging here is the fact that his, his strength was coming from God in the day. And in the New Testament, John, we see Jesus basically saying, saying the same thing. He's saying, I am the vine. Ye are the branches. When you, when you plug into me, you can be fruitful. But when you work independent of me, you can do nothing. We need God. Number two, not only does he hear and answer our prayers, but number two, thankful for his power. Look at verses four and five. And all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when uh, they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. <clears throat> he gives us two evidences of his power. The first one is his word, the word of God. What you hold in your hand today can change your life. The words of this, this pastor cannot change your life. The words of any man cannot change your life, but this book can. Because it is the holy word of God. It is the word of God. Psalm chapter 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. This book, we can, we can build our lives on this book. It is the word of God that is the basis of everything that we believe. It is the word of God that will change lives. Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 10, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. What is the psalmist saying here in Psalm, 1, 9, in Psalm 19, verses 7 to 10? Basically, what he's saying is this. This book, this book is precious. It is more precious than anything. Its statutes are true and right and pure. 
And people look at the Word of God and they say, oh, it's a book of do's and don'ts, and, it, and it, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. It is the Word of God that can change our lives. It is the Word of God that, that we can use to empower us to do great things for Him. And we should desire the things of this book more than gold. And it, these things should be sweeter even than the honeycomb to us. Now, I don't know about you, <clears throat> but I love honey. I love honey. <clears throat> and you know what I you know what happens when I eat honey? I want more. <laughs> you know, I, I'm one of these people that I I, I, I I love cornbread. Okay? Okay. But but when you put honey on it, it's like manna from heaven. And and I put so much honey on my cornbread, it runs down my hand, you know, and, I, and you're licking your hand, and oh, it's oh, it is so good. If the word of God was like honey to you, then you would you would want more and more and more. The word of God is precious. The second evidence that we see. Is, is his power or his of his uh, the second evidence of his power is is here we see it in his glory for great is the glory of the Lord you know I'll be honest with you I spent I spent some time trying to think of a way to illustrate the glory of God you know what I'm here to tell you that's impossible we we can't we cannot comprehend the glory of God. It is impossible. Now we can understand the goodness of God and understand some of His glory, but to illustrate it is impossible. But the word glory, the definition of the word glory is the beauty that emanates from His character from all that He is. So let, 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 me, let me try and illustrate it to you this way. In James chapter 1, James talks about the glory of a man. Okay? <clears throat> but the, he says in James chapter 1, verse 10, it says, But the, the rich, and that he is made low, because as a flower of the grass, he shall pass away. In other words, what James is saying here is that a man's glory emanates from his humility. See, a man's glory is not in his riches, his power, his, his popularity, but a man's glory, the thing that makes a man who he is, comes from within. Some of the richest people I've ever met are poor. Have nothing. But they're rich in character. I think you know what I'm talking about. And that is the glory that, that God has. It just emanates from who He is. It is that glory that, 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 that God's glory is, 
is no different really than the glory of a man in the sense that it comes because of who he is, not what he possesses. Jay Parker wrote this, and hopefully this will help you understand a little bit. This is a mistake many people continue to make. Trusting in earthly things, earthly relationships, their own power and talents, or beauty, or goodness they see in others. But when these things fade and fail, as they will inevitably do, those people despair. In other words, when we put our hopes and trust in the things and the people of this world, they're going to let you down. What we need, he goes on, he says, what we all need to realize is that God's glory is constant. And we, excuse me, and as we journey through life, we will see it manifest here and there. But it all goes back to God in the end. And the only way to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. All those things that fade in life, we will find again in him. Excuse me, his power, God's power, his glory. And then finally, number three. We need to choose to be thankful because he hears and answers prayer because of his power. And also thankful that he cares about me. He cares about me. Look at verse 6. It says, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Now picture this if you would. Now what do you think, you talk to me here, what do you think it means when, it's, when it refers to him on high? Anybody? Okay, he's in heaven on his throne, okay? The word high there definitely gives the the idea of being exalted or lifted up, okay? What do you think the word respect means? Okay, the word respect literally means to inspect. So God, the picture is this, God is on his throne inspecting you and me. Not to inspect us to point his finger and slap us around a little bit, but the fact is that he knows everything about us. That's the idea. And this high and lifted up God knows my every thought. He knows my every action. He knows my every word. He knows me. I don't know about you, but that is powerful to me. That this high and lifted up God knows me. And and, and, uh, Jesus said it, uh, Jesus said that he knows every one of our names. In John chapter 10, verse 3, it says, To him uh, the, the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, And he calls his own sheep by what? By name. 
and leadeth them out. God knows your name. And He knows you. The psalmist in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. See, this, I, I believe David wrote Psalm 139 too, but David, the, the psalmist, whoever it was, uh, understood that God saw and knows his every, th- every thought, his every action. And he says, examine me and lead me. He cares about you. In verse 7, he goes on. He says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand uh, shall save me. At the end of the verse, David acknowledges the salvation, or the word save, from his enemies. The salvation from his enemies. Even though David was surrounded, literally surrounded by enemies, he knew that God would save the nation. David chose to praise the Lord before deliverance came. See, the context here is the salvation would come. But David chose to praise before the salvation came. But David uses an interesting thought here. He says, thou wilt revive me. And and in the New Testament, the word revive means literally means to bring back to life and even some of the Old Testament words. But the word here, specifically this word, does not mean that. It literally means to live in prosperity. So David is, is acknowledging before it even happens that he knew that God not only would save them, but that the nation of Israel would live in prosperity. And so often in our prayers and our, and, and our conversations with God, we get so concerned about the salvation. Lord, save me from this. And we forget to understand that God has a desire to bless us on top of that. And we get so caught up with, get me out of this mess, that we forget to realize that God is there to revive us. To make our way prosperous. See, God's desire for us is that we walk with Him and that we live a prosperous life. And I'm not talking about getting rich and all that. You, you know what I mean. Years ago, I <clears throat> I heard a, a story, and I, I you know it's not true, but <clears throat> you, you know uh, this guy goes to heaven, and I don't know why, but Paul is always the one who gives the tour of heaven. Have you ever? I've always thought that to be funny. I don't know why we pick on Paul, but anyway, this guy dies, goes to heaven, and Paul gives him a tour, and he and he and he takes him around heaven, and he gets to his mansion, and he takes him. He says, "Hey, this is this is your mansion." And uh, the guy's like, wow, can I go in? He's like, yeah, let's go in. And he shows him around and he takes him to the last room and he, and he opens up 
this this room and it's a very large room and it's just full of all kinds of stuff and 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 the the guy looks at Paul and he says what is this room and he says this is all the prayers you never prayed that God wanted to bless you with now we know that this is not a true story but it definitely gives us something to think about how many times do we narrow our prayers down and forget to ask God not only to save us, but to bless us as well? You know, you say, and I, I get people all the time, well, pastor, that's a selfish prayer. Well, I beg to differ with you. Go back sometime if, you, if you're interested in the book of Matthew or, or Luke and read what we call the model prayer. What does he say? Give us this day, what? Everybody else's needs? No. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. See, God wants to hear from your heart. That's what prayer is. Thanksgiving is just a few days away. And it is a wonderful time. We have some Canadians here. They've already celebrated. We have, did you know she's from Canada too? <clears throat> They've already celebrated the Canadian. You guys get a double, double, double whammy. Um, what was it just last month, right? October? Okay. Uh, anyway, it is a great time for our country to give thanks to God for giving us this great nation. But on top of that, it should be a great time for believers to thank God for everything else. It should cause us to be a thankful people. Irma Bombeck, those of you that are older will know who she is. <clears throat> <laughs> Irma Bombeck wrote in the a red book. Um, do they even publish red book anymore? No. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, October of 19, 1992. <clears throat> she, yeah, <laughs> it's a magazine. Oh, that, oh, that's what she says. What's red book? Yeah. Uh, she 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 wrote this in in 1992. She said, an estimated 1.5 million people are living today after bouts of breast cancer. Every time I forget to feel grateful to be among them, I hear the voice of an eight-year-old Christina who had cancer of the nervous system. When asked what she wanted for her birthday, she thought long and hard and finally said, I don't know. I have two sticker books and a Cabbage Patch doll. I have everything. Irma Brombeck went on to say, the kid was right. Are you thankful this morning? If you're thankful, then you need to choose to be thankful. 
See, thankfulness is not a word. It's an attitude of the heart. See, David chose to praise the Lord before deliverance. Eddie Rickenbacker and his crew chose to worship and give thanks to God before the deliverance came. And the wonderful thing about that story is, now I don't know, I don't know if Eddie Rickenbacker was a believer or not. I, I don't know. But I do appreciate the fact that he never forgot to be thankful. See, thankfulness is a choice. And this season, as we go into Thanksgiving in a, in, a, in a week or so, well, I guess, what, about 10 days? What's your, what, what is your holiday going to look like? Is it going to look like pie and turkey and ham and all that stuff? Or is it going to be a time of reflection? A time of purposely spending time thanking God for what He's done in your life? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,